Laws are changing. People are changing. We're becoming aware of our surroundings and of our skies, probably now more than ever. With the advent of the release of the Tic Tac videos, the government admitting that many of the craft that they're seeing in the sky cannot be identified, something is changing. But this goes back much further than any of us could ever expect. As a matter of fact, with the new laws, the new bills, the new changes that are being made to try to expose the UFO conspiracy, they're now asking to go back to the beginning of January of 1945 and explain the things that have been seen and witnessed since that point. Interesting. Why specifically January 1st of 1945 and on? You may be surprised to find that there are famous UFO sightings and crashes you have never heard about. Some grab all the headlines. Some just disappear into the mist like the craft that are seen. We also are digging and exploring further than we ever have before, uncovering new mysteries, new histories, and things that may rewrite our own understanding of our history and our place in the universe. That's our topics tonight. Aliens on Earth, crashes and artifacts. Next, when we return to the best in paranormal talk radio. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. I'm not gonna stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural. Perhaps. Baloney, perhaps not. I'd like to welcome our new sponsors to the program, BetterHelp. Get the help that you deserve, BetterHelp. It's where I go for the therapy I seek to help me out of my dark spots, and I know it can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash P60 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash P60. All right, folks, we are here. We've got an interesting set of stories to discuss tonight. We've got friends old and new joining us. And I, I did away with the collared shirts, the vests and everything today to show my support. Property of Area 51. That's right. Now, I'm going to be up front to those of you listening to this audio podcast only. I'm going to do my very best to keep as much of this theater of the mind so that you can see and understand the things that we're talking about, but I highly encourage you to go check out today's video podcast as well, because we're going to be showing photographs that are astounding, items that have been uncovered that again, may challenge your paradigms, your understandings of our place on this planet, in our own history, and in the universe. That's in the second half of tonight's show. First half of tonight's show, not nearly as exciting. I'm sorry, folks. It's just a paranormal <laughs> detective. It's our buddy, Greg Lawson. Wow, no, man. That was awesome. I've never had a yeah. better intro than that. <laughs> 
Hey, I yeah, am uh, psyched to have you here with us. And oh, oh yeah. look at this. Super stickers. Super chat is open. Nice. Thank you to Lucky Gypsy 13 for getting the ball rolling tonight and helping to support the show. Uh, Greg, the other night during news, you read a story about uh, the fact that they're really pushing for this disclosure to get information and a better understanding of the stories that go back, I thought for sure we were going to try to keep it within the last five to 10 year window to make it an easier to explain phenomena, something that we could take ownership of. But now yeah. lawmakers, congressmen, senators, governors are are really pushing to go back further. Oh, yeah. And we talked about Roswell before Roswell. That's right. And this is uh, this is pretty cool. I do want to share uh, this real quickly as we get started. Greg, hey, as a part of our Paranormal 60 newscast, is uh, one of our uh, fun commentators and, and news reporters, but he is also a researcher and takes these things very seriously. He has written the book Roswell, The After Action Report, with a forward by me, Dave Schrader, and you can get copies of this book signed. And uh, we'll point you to that as well. I've got links on today's program guide so that you can find out where you can get the book straight through Amazon or how you can go to Greg's website to communicate with him and get signed copies. Roswell, we know this story, man, like the back of our hand, 1947, aliens invade Earth. They're stealing our Twinkies. They're taking our women. And finally, we shoot one down with uh, hydro water blasters. It crashes in Roswell. We beat the hell out of the alien. It's. I think I've got yeah. the close iteration of how that story went. Yeah, that's, um, that's uh, a version. Yeah, that's a version. The crazy <laughs> one spinning in my brain. But Everybody knows the Roswell story. It's fascinating, and there's enough meat on the bone to make it compelling. But as you point out in the book, there's a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of high strangeness. Right. I, I've got to be honest with you, and I know you touch on it, but I, I just wasn't as familiar with this white sand story, the Trinity site, sighting and potential crash. Uh, you did research on this as part of your other books and, and a lot of the research that you've done. So set this for us. It's two years before Roswell, New Mexico, right? That's right. Yeah. We we are in what town in New Mexico is, is White Sands? Well, <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. White Sands okay. is, is a very, very large area. Uh, uh -huh. And it, it's in central, uh, south, central New Mexico. Uh, okay. But it's kind of situated between Carrizo and uh, San Antonio. And you get I mean, it's large down in El Magordo, right. San Antonio, way. New Mexico, just to make San Antonio, sure New Mexico. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's not right. that big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a very desolate area out there. Obviously they picked that, you know, to, uh, uh, practice on uh, blowing up, uh, atomic bombs out there. So it's very, very desolate, but you have the, uh, you know, Carrizo, uh, uh, Socorro and, and San Antonio, that's very close. Mm -hmm. So I, I could I couldn't imagine being in those areas uh, during the the um, you know the the experimentation uh, at the Trinity sites and being there at that time and just having that fallout you know just blowing around out there. Wouldn't you? Although you would kind of want to be there. I mean, look at this is an actual photograph from the White Sands yeah. uh, nuclear test site. That would be a, a a spectacle to behold, no doubt. This is an amazing sight to see these atomic bombs go off, creating the massive mushroom clouds. But how weird is it that these people just had no real concept of the danger right. that they were putting our own people in by testing on our ground? 
Well, the the crazy part about it is, is, is you you look back just a few years in in mm-hmm. um, in nineteen forty one to nineteen forty five, uh, we killed forty thousand airmen um, training, just training, and and nobody talks about that. Nobody says, wait, 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 we, we did had, what? Yeah, we had more deaths uh, in training than we did in combat action. So if we said that today, your son is a pilot. Could you imagine if half of his class uh, within the first two years was gone and a a quarter of those would have been gone because of training accidents? We would have never put up with that. Yeah. No. And so when you, when you look at, it was a different time, man. We were doing whatever we had to do to go over there and, and, and try to defeat two axis powers that were, you know, um, really pressuring us on both sides. So it it was a very, very different time. And that's why uh, I find it interesting. Young people today, when they look at the, the, the folks that are in their eighties and nineties and they just don't get it. It's complete. They're completely different human beings, but yeah. Unreal. All right. So see, this is, this is what I'm talking about folks, even in doing a show where we're going to talk about paranormal, the the UFO and alien sightings and incidents, you find out more about this disheartening 40,000 airmen lost just in training sessions alone. Yeah. Um, and you can look it up. It's, it's on, it's online. You can look at, uh, you know, training accidents, how many, uh, how many airmen in, in the United States, uh, army air Corps, the army air forces, and then the air force during that time. Uh, and how many we lost is just staggering the amount. Um, and I just can't imagine, you know, because they just send you a letter. Yeah. Thank, thanks. Mm. Thanking you for your son's service. And my son is a, uh, a helicopter pilot in the, uh, but not just any old helicopter. It's not like he's flying in with a mash helicopter. He's got the big Chinook that he's out there. So, uh, thank you for doing what you do out there, son. Um, let's get into this, uh, citing this this crashed ufo story now we've tested the bomb we've obviously dropped the bomb by by the point that this rolls around correct uh right. oh yeah yeah this area has got to be replete with negative you know uh en- energy in many different <laughs> you would ways think. you'd think yeah and uh th- it's interesting how many people cite the fact that right after we dropped the bomb, that's when we became interesting to the aliens. That's when the UFOs started really making their appearance. Now, that's one way to look at it. There are certainly Mm -hmm. many other sightings, and you living in Texas are familiar with some very famous sightings, including one that happened in the 1800s when there were no aircraft. That's right. uh, That crashed into uh, Aurora, Texas uh, story. Another one that's just compelling as hell, and an entire town kept silent about what took place there, hid yeah. the body, hid the debris. Many of the people involved in picking up the mess died from possible radiation exposure before we were even aware of that. Uh, so we're, we're at this point, and it's two uh, San Antonian boys, San Antonio, Mexico uh, boys, New Mexico boys that, that are, are first upon this. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, so uh, a little kid, his last name was Padilla and the other one was uh, um, uh, Baca, B-A-C-A. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm mm-hmm. saying that right. Um, and yeah, they were they were on their horses and uh, uh, they were out on uh, Padilla's ranch and they were looking for 
uh, a cow that uh, uh, was calving and they were worried about where it went. And anyway, so they, they went and, and found it and thought everything was okay. And that's when they heard this or once again, it depends on what version of the story you're coming mm -hmm. from because uh, the people that put stuff online get it wrong sometimes, believe it or not. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes they Wait, don't. So right after sources. you get done telling me, hey, go look up online 40,000 airmen. Yeah, 40,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 140, yeah, Dave, read it. It's online. Quarter million, yeah. something like that. Wow. Yeah, yeah crazy. Um, so you look at that. And uh, mm -hmm. so the here, here's the deal that the circumstances were a little bit different in different versions, but mm -hmm. essentially it stayed the same. They're on horseback. They're looking for a cow. Um, possibly they heard something, felt something impact, saw some smoke. They went over into that area uh, and they were, they were looking around and that's when they saw some sort of um, like a, a they, avocado or egg shaped object. You've, we've all heard that before. There's, there's mm -hmm. several stories around the world about these things that are, that are shaped similar to an egg, but they, they described it as an avocado. Um, and there was a, there was a gouge in the earth. The craft is there. It's broken op open. Uh, they could actually see inside the craft. They could see, um, some beings in there and said it was, mm -hmm. they were incredibly skinny. They, they described their heads shaped very much like a praying mantis type head with large eyes like that. Uh, and they were moving, uh, in a very strange way. So, uh, the, the kids were saying that, that they were moving, um, uh, very quickly trying to get whatever was done that they were trying to do, but their movements, uh, I find, I found this very interesting. Their movements wasn't like a, um, speeding up and going over to the other side and then speeding up and coming back. It was more of a, I'm here and then it blurs and I'm over there. And then I blur and I'm back over here doing whatever I'm doing. So they had, they had this little experience, you know, whatever that, whatever it is that they saw. And, and, you know, I always find it interesting, uh, despite, let's say, you know, these kids were not seven and nine. Right. Um, I can remember pretty good when I was that age, I have, I have mm -hmm. good memories uh, of when I was that age. And when I was a little bit younger, I have some fuzzier memories and you could say, you know, when you go back to, uh, uh, the house you lived in or a house that you visited and you go there and you go, wow, I remember it was so much bigger because <laughs> you know, you're right. a little kid, yeah. everything's so big. Well, uh, you know, you have those experiences, but these two guys, um, they didn't say anything for 50 years. And after they were long retired, uh, they got, you know, got reconnected and was like, we need to, we need to bring this forward. We need to say something about this. Now I do um, want to say that, uh, you know, my Bigfoot sighting that I talked to you about, I was between 10 to 12 years old when I had that happen. And I can remember that clearly that I remember that more clearly than the last time you and I hung out. I couldn't even tell you the date on the last that, time. That you was and I hung because out. of the peanut butter whiskey. I think. Yeah. That, well, that very well Probably. could be it. But, um, I had some of that when I was a kid too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Anyway, I, I remember that. So you, you, it's easy to dismiss it. It's a seven and a nine year old child right. that they're, Right. They may not have understood or taken in exactly what they saw, but they had enough wherewithal to know about it. When they connect years later, what, 50 years later to yeah, discuss this, time. they are pretty much on par with each other's memories of this story. Yeah. I, all right. So I'm curious if we're going to accept this for what 
it, it appears to be a UFO sighting. Why do you feel that there are so many cases like this where it happened? So, this is extraordinary. 1947. Right. This is not 45. something you see every day. Yeah, 45. I'm sorry. Yeah. Roswell, 47. This is not something you see every day. No. Nope. How do you just kind of leave the property and forget? Well, they it, didn't. No, no, no. They well, didn't. No, but I mean... Yeah. I, what's the right way I, I want to say this? All right, my not friend, do anything, not follow yeah, through, and yeah. My friend Dre and I were in Colorado at a paranormal conference, and she was walking from her car into the restaurant. And she saw UFO craft in the sky, and she even took photographs of it. She got done, just blown away. Walked in to greet a bunch of her friends that are fellow paranormal enthusiasts. Totally escapes her mind. Not till weeks later, when she starts flipping through her phone, does she see the picture? She's like. Oh, yeah. Holy crap, I saw UFOs. Why didn't I tell anybody? And it ends there again for a few years until she finds the pictures again. All right, it's real convenient to say they're somehow blocking our, our memories. Right. But there are a lot yeah. of people that you see something extraordinary. How does it, not that they forgot it, but it's just like it was just, oh, I see that all the time. The garbage bin picking up the garbage. Okay, that's interesting. And you move on. It didn't really stand out to you. So there's no reason to talk about it for 50 years. This is a crashed UFO with strange beings, not like anything they've ever seen. No. Are they telling other people in their lives during their lifespan about this experience? Or is it something they've just kept to themselves? Uh, I don't know. In this case, there's not a lot written. Uh, Jacques uh, Vallée. Yeah, um, he, yeah. Uh, he he did a he did a book on it uh trinity uh what is, what is it called i got it over here uh um best kept secret or something like that right um he, the the interviews that they do uh on everybody kind of relates back to them but uh, they're just dissecting what the kids did, not necessarily mm -hmm. what happened in that time period, you know, like what's going on. But I, I have to share with you, uh, I have worked a lot of criminal cases where something really horrible happened to somebody while they were um, en route to go somewhere or someone came to visit them and this horrible mm -hmm. thing happened and they just can't wrap their brain around it. And they just have a normal interaction with the people that they're going to see or that was coming to see them. And that's it. And then later they report to the police that this thing happened to them. And you go through the investigation. It's like, well, wait a second. You went and had dinner with so-and-so at this restaurant. You're telling me that happened and you just got in your car and you drove to the restaurant, you had dinner and you came back and then, Later that night, you couldn't sleep, so you called the police and said, hey, this is what happened. But you never said anything to this person. So um, there, there might be some more psychological stuff that's going on other than just aliens. It could be just a stress reaction. Like, nobody is going to believe what just happened. I know when I saw my UFO, you know. I had that experience, that feeling as well. I saw what I saw. I ran towards it. I tried to tell people at the at the time and even as I say it, it sounded so insane that I was like, had I not been a radio show host and a personality delving into this, I don't know that I would have talked about it again. Not out of fear, but just out of my, you know, it's 17 years later. I know what I saw. And my brain still just is like that 
it does not compute. The the math is not there. Something something is missing in the translation wow. between what I experienced and what my brain perceived. So I can I can get it to a degree. But so these boys uh they come back, they they tell the story. What reinvigorated them? What was the catalyst, do you know, that to get them talking about this again? Freaking haunted by it. You know, okay. I mean, they, right. they were, uh, that was something. So the, a, after they do that, uh, um, they go down there and they see it, the, the, everything's hot around it. And they were afraid of this heat. Anyway, mm -hmm. they end up leaving, going back and telling their dad, Hey, this is what's happened. And he's like, Hey, that's the army. Leave them alone. It's fine. Cause like, like in Roswell, there they would have uh you know balloons come down every once in a while sometimes those balloons had payloads on them and you know that it was a normal thing out there mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you're near the trinity side it's, it's going to be a normal thing and so you know the person that they look up to the most mm -hmm. is telling them this isn't anything don't worry about it move on well the int more interesting thing is is the kids don't necessarily listen to them they start watching the site as they're cleaning it up. They're sneaking around out there with binoculars watching the site, according to their testimony. Sure. And they're watching the army come in and do this. And they said that, that a sergeant from the army actually came over uh, and asked their father, he, they needed to bring this material off of the ranch and they couldn't get it over the, the cattle gate. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to breach the fence and create a gap in the fence so that they could get their, their low boy or their, their, whatever uh, flatbed that they had coming out of there. Um, and they actually ended up doing that. And that's how they got it off the property, mm -hmm. um, which I find very interesting because you talk about time compression. They talked a lot about that. The, uh, the Roswell report, the air force, when they did their report, they talked a lot about witness time compression of people seeing things in Roswell, people seeing things in and around Roswell that they believed, um, was confused, not at 1947, but maybe it was in 1956. And this mm -hmm. time just got compressed when this reminds me a little bit of that, because there's these stories about in, in Roswell about the low boys or the uh, flatbeds with tarps over them and, and pieces sticking out. Right. Well, that's what they describe here. So I'm, I'm wondering if, if, if there was any time compression going on, maybe they were getting that confused if they took it all the way back to Roswell uh, to ship it out someplace. I don't know. Um, but I, I found that interesting with the, with, with the whole story. But, you know, you're, you're a little kid. Your father says it's nothing. This is normal. Don't worry about it. And you're like, ah, but the <laughs> praying mantis people. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, it's I got, we got to go look at this, right? We got to go look right. the, when they go back, you know, they're gone, but they're cleaning everything up uh, and they got uh, binoculars on it. And for a moment, uh, the, the site is unguarded. I, I can't imagine that happening, but they're way out in the middle of nowhere. They didn't have enough. Let's say your, your crew, you didn't have enough people. You're going to go have lunch and the lunch was over there and nobody was watching. Anyway, these two kids said that they snuck back over there. And mm -hmm. actually got into the craft. But anyway, they collected two pieces of metal uh, and ended up burying them <laughs> there, there at their home. Uh, and then they, they ended up sharing them later. But anyway, they, they, they collected the metal back. So they actually submitted that metal uh, for analysis, which I found uh, pretty amazing. So normally, when, did they, when did they dig it up? How many years later? 
uh, I'm going to say 2015, something like that. Wow. I, I believe so. I believe so. So the pieces were still there. They dug yeah. them up. Do well, we have either, any analysis of what it was? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, see okay. that, that was a, this is the only, uh, you look at, at every, well, not every, okay. Let me back up. Uh, the, the modern ones in the United States, you don't have pieces mm-hmm. of anything. All right? right. So they, these guys said that these are pieces. Uh, one of them was uh, found close to the crash site. The other one was found inside of the vehicle and they pried it open with a, a crowbar. Um, Frontier analysis. They did a technical survey on that. Uh, it is sub uh, the, uh, the title is subject analysis of two medical par- uh, two metal parts purportedly from a crashed unidentified aerial object, San Antonio, New Mexico, August 16, 1945. This is submitted October 31st, 2015. It lists all the scientists that are involved in this thing. Um, says the background uh, of what we just talked about. It, it explains the case. The boys, uh, Padilla and Vaca, were out there looking for the cow. Uh, around the periphery, they picked up a piece of thin, shiny material, which was folded up and lodged under a rock, uh, reminiscent to the Roswell material, which had memory. Um, they worked their way back to the wreckage, later approached and saw entities inside. They end up leaving. They come back after uh, the, uh, the military left it for, it was just for a little short, short time. Um, and they took advantage of it. They went in and they actually, the boys, it says, used a crowbar to get into it. So they did a spectral analysis of it and then some chemical tests on it. And uh, the conclusions were the two metal samples have identical compositions. They are aluminum primary alloy to copper and silicon, uh, small amounts and other traced metals. These alloys have a wide variety of uses. Some include engine crankcases, uh, gas and oil tanks, engine oil pans, typewriter frames, all this stuff. So the uh, isotopic uh, ratios determined for nickel, copper, zinc compared to terrestrial values. So they're saying that this these pieces of metal originated on Earth. Uh, even though they say the uh, the ratios are terrestrial, extraterrestrial source of the metals is not ruled out mm-hmm. uh, the, for the following reasons. This is interesting. Hold on. It could be extraterrestrial because the aliens were time travelers and they're actually from Earth's future. So naturally, whatever they made was made here on Earth, right? Sure. Right. Or uh, they could be constructing have come here in another ship and be constructing subcraft that fly around and do their recons and stuff. They're little small missions, but the big, big ship is up there. So Mm -hmm. there's that possibility. And then there's uh, physical processes that involve formation of elements on other planets would be just like ours, which is highly unlikely because the isotopes on it and the radiation that we receive and the degradation and all that stuff. So it's, it's highly unlikely, but it's possible. And then finally, uh, the metal could be from a terrestrial craft created by human beings. So uh, it goes into what uh, was coating the metal, smaller amounts of uh, of minerals and 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 that sort of stuff. So I found that that uh, very interesting that we actually have this, uh, and the scientists were open enough to suggest just because this stuff is created on Earth doesn't mean humans created it. 
or does it mean that uh, current non-time traveling humans didn't create it that look like, you know, right. praying mantis? Maybe sure. we evolve into that. Is the way we would evolve? It only makes sense. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'm gonna get my head uh, eaten off. Well, oh geez. Uh, let me yeah. first of all, Vicky Stone, one of our listeners in the chat room, going. You, you had that guy on a while ago with some uh, artifacts. Why don't we have that guy? Yeah, now? why don't we? I want to see Mike's artifacts myself. We, uh, yeah, I'm we're, we're not going to. Scott, uh, Scott Walter was the guest that we had on. Uh, let me just give you a little taste of what comes up in the next half an hour, Vicky oh. Stone. Vicky Stone. Yeah, uh, we've got alien artifacts. Around, Mike from aliencarvings.com is going to be with us. There We're going we to go. talk about these pieces, show you some of the, the artifacts. So these two pieces of metal that were dug up, Greg. Yeah. They were turned over, analyzed. Has the government, have they fallen aside? Have they disappeared? Are oh, no. there any place no, we can see them? Yeah, you can see them online. If you, if you, uh, if you just go on Google, you can, uh, Google, uh do frontier analysis uh attach uh uh crashed identify That's or unidentified san antonio new mexico kind right. of thing okay. it'll pop right up it's a pdf you can download it yourself and it's it's open because uh, uh they're not trying to hide anything on this they're trying to dump as much as they can all right now i know in roswell you're a lot more skeptical of the story being alien in nature because of how many people came forward 50 years later to talk about it and that it seemed like there was a lot of bandwagon jumpers. A lot of stories did not seem to line up. When you look at the story from white sands, these two boys telling the tale, what do you think? Was this an alien craft? Was this a test vehicle? Was this, was there a, a rational explanation in your opinion from the information you've looked at? analyzing and research okay there could be a rational explanation but you got to look at these two guys um uh baka grew up to be uh he went in the marine corps and he was a staffer for washington's governor uh dixie lee ray uh Mm -hmm. she's like the 17th uh governor of 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 washington um i looked her up and and just trying to figure out you know because when you're looking at something and you're you're relying completely on circumstances and credibility of your witness you have to qualify your witness and a guy that was a staffer uh, for a governor, it, it's important that his credibility be be pretty much intact. At least know that he's not going to go tell the secrets that he's hearing in the boardroom, right? Right. Uh, the other guy is a retired highway patrolman, and you know you can't tr- trust cops. So there we go. Wow. Uh, no, <laughs> you no, can he, direct he, officers. Yeah. You can direct that email to Officer <laughs> Greg Lawson, Detective uh, Greg Lawson. So, uh, you know, uh, he, he grew up and he was a, uh, he was a state patrolman for 32 years and then decides to, to come forward with this stuff later. Um, I, I would say, um, you know, this, the circumstances are right. And these two gentlemen, you know, there are, are you, you have to decide whether or not you believe what their experience was. There was also another, there was an air force pilot, uh, that is reported by his family that he saw this and he told them. Um, and uh, he ended up being a B-52 pilot later. Uh, I think he retired a lieutenant colonel or something. But um, yeah, so. I love sober, <laughs> locked in and focused Greg, but Friday night Greg is more fun. Uh, 
Wow. No, this is my paranormal detective work in here for wow, us, folks. Man. I wanted somebody that yeah. could talk to us about this case, and he did the research. You got to put the book out because Jacques Vallée is the last one I think that did a book really on the subject. It's time to get get going. I would think that somebody is doing one pretty soon. It was uh, and it's his book is Trinity: The Best Kept Secret. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. Yeah, you'd um, like to think somebody else is, but let's just get on it, Greg. There's no, yeah. as a member of the Paranormal 60 News crew, it would help if you were the first one out with the new book. That's all wow. I'm saying. Okay. I mean, if you want to keep this this low paying job as a uh, reporter for the show, it's time you start. Ah, 72,000 words. Here we go. Yeah, that's all. There you go. Um, <laughs> I like the way that stuff. you, well, well, I like the way that you cropped my book and where I'm, my name's not on it at all. It's just, yeah, it's, it's good. Throw it up. Yes, there, it man. is. That oh, is, is exactly, yeah. Yeah, here, let me let me yeah, go back to it there. if I can find mm-hmm. it here. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, I'm sure you can. It's, sure uh, can. where is it? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Boom. Oh, look, no name on there at all. Look at you that. know, do you know where I got this from? What in the Amazon. world? They like forward Dave Schrader. Amazon. Oh. I swear to God, that is a, the image oh, that's on Amazon. I just Terrific. copied and pasted. Amazon. So Roswell, the after action <laughs> report. That's right. Uh, forward by Dave Schrader. And we're not sure who the author of the actual book is, nope. uh, but Apparently. I wrote the forward and that should be enough reason. It's all that matters. Or you can get it because this guy actually wrote all the rest of the text. Mm. I mean, I helped him with the big words. If you've listened in on mm. Friday, you'll understand that. Yeah. But uh, it's Loquacious. it's a great book. Check it out. <laughs> People can get it. If they go to your website, can they order directly from you? Uh, if they sent me an email, I, they probably could. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. And, and you can, you can, uh, there's an email connection right there. It says book Greg Lawson for your event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can I just like do it. that and say, Hey, give it's me on tonight's uh, program uh, guide. You can see the book right directly off Amazon where you'll see that same photograph where there's no mention of Greg Lawson on his mm-hmm. own book, or mm-hmm. you can go to his website uh, and Convenient. which is what coldcasefiles.com. It can be, or the paranormaldetective.com. Oh, there's that too. Yeah. Every time yeah. I type that in, it just pulls up the cold case files. I never pulled that weird. Yeah. It is the, very the paranormal weird. detective. Huh.com. All right. So this in the pantheon of UFO stories, eyewitness accounts, exchanges. Do you put this even more credible above Roswell being a, a UFO? No. Um, but this is really fascinating. I mean, if they didn't identify this material, when you lay, when you pulled up this uh, um, PDF of this mm-hmm. report and you look at the picture of the material, uh, I've seen things like that before. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, th- there's one that has some uh, some markings on it. And uh, I, I am a, a trained burglary investigator and I know things about tool markings. And so mm-hmm. looking at that, it's kind of like, hmm, I think I kind of know what that is. Uh, and I don't know whether aliens use those things or not. Uh, so that's that's one of those those things. Sure. But that, that doesn't really necessarily mean anything. Um, I, I find the circumstances very interesting. I find that witnesses very credible. Uh, and I find um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to look more into this uh, this pilot that that supposedly saw this and, and the, the damage to a radio tower. They called it a Marconi tower. How'd you like that? That's Ooh, yeah. Okay. You say that to kids today. They're, they don't know what that is. It's like, yeah, it's a radio tower. Before I go to my next Loki. guest, I'm going to do an impromptu. Uh, thank you, Loki, for the support on the show tonight with a, a super uh, chat. Um, Greg, 
Yes. I watched a movie last night in preparation mm. for today because Barbarian? I this this is no this is an impromptu uh upon further review. I'm not okay. I don't even have a poster, I have no trailer for it. This is a movie I wanted to see when it came out and then it escaped me. And then I just last night caught it on Peacock and got a chance to watch it. Shadow in the Clouds. Did you see Shadow that? Shadow in the Clouds. I didn't know. So uh, am I going to review it? Do I get to review Chloe, it? Chloe Grace Moritz? No, I said I'm doing a, an impromptu one right now, but I'd like you to watch it. Chloe Grace Moritz is in it. It's an interesting movie. It takes place during World War II in the 40s, um, and a woman comes aboard a, a what is it B fifty two bomber or so, and they're making a cargo drop. And she comes aboard and high strangeness begins. It, it, it kind of, it's got a very uh, noir feel to it. I like and it. there's a lot of hashtag me too moments in there because she's a woman that comes aboard the plane with a bunch of 1940s acid. You know, yeah, anyway, yeah. she, uh, she begins to see things and experience things, which kind of are reminiscent of the William Shatner twilight zone episode oh wow uh, cool yeah okay. terror what terror 20,000 yeah feet or one. something yeah but it just goes off the rails it is it is definitely touching on the twilight zone aliens and more i really like this movie i thought it was a clever fun little movie came out in 2020 and i get a feel that they really filmed a lot of this during covid because it was very minimalistic like alien where you kind of put people in this this one little ship and everything is claustrophobic. You've got the same kind of vibe going only they're dealing with possible gremlins, you know, the historic right. gremlins yeah, that would do I things. Am. It's, I, I will say this shout out on the clouds, one out of five phantoms, one, it sucks. Five is an amazing movie. Although it's not necessarily alien in nature, it is definitely a fun movie. I'm going to give this a solid three and three quarters phantoms just a, a hair under four because I felt like there was a few things they cheated. It was, and it's a short movie. It's only like 88, maybe 88 minutes long. So they didn't even ask you to commit to a full hour and a half and it moves pretty well for what it's doing. Three and three quarter stars, get a chance to watch shadow in the clouds. And okay. please folks, if you're watching the YouTube video at any time, come back and tell me what you think of that movie. All right. All right. All right. Good deal. Greg, thank you as always, buddy. We'll see you on Friday with more Paranormal 60 News. My pleasure. Thanks, man. All right. And again, check out the websites, the links, and the information for our guest because it goes a long way. And uh, just stay tuned because you thought that Scott Walter had some interesting artifacts. Our next guest from Alien Carvings has brought some images for us to look at and review and something at the end that'll blow you away. That's coming up next right here on the Best in Paranormal Podcasting. I'm Dave Schrader. This is the Paranormal 60. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand 
and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Hey, it's Chris Jericho here just reminding you about the Four Leaf Clover. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, the fourth voyage, leaving February 2nd from Miami to Great Stirrup Key, our very own private island. This is going to be the biggest and best Jericho cruise ever with the biggest lineup, the most fun, I guarantee it. Come join us for the vacation and the party of a lifetime. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Cabin's still available. I want to see you there. Haunted Magazine is packed full of the paranormal, stuffed with the supernatural, sautéed with spookiness, garnished with ghosts, and even drizzled with a dash of demons. If you want histories, mysteries, ghost stories, hauntings, weird stuff, freaky stuff, and more supernatural than you can shake a stick at, come and see Haunted Magazine for the world's best paranormal writers. Visit www.hauntedmagazineprintshop.com for your latest scare. Remember kids, don't be normal, be paranormal. Hello my lovely little darklings, the Paranormal 60 t-shirts are here. You've been begging for them, we've got them. It's got the Paranormal 60 logo on the front. You get four different backs to choose from. Don't scare me, I poop easily. Quickly, one of these top-selling shirts. We've also got uh, Words is Hard, our Friday night moniker. Friday, or uh, back number three is Darkling. So you can prove that you are a listener and one of my little Darklings by having the shirt bearing the image on the front, the, the name on the back, and our final one, Paranormal Talk Radio with the website logo underneath it as well. So if you would like to help support the show, you would like to get your own t-shirt, all you have to do is email me, Dave at paranormal sixty. Com. That's Dave at Paranormal60.com. The t-shirts are $25 to $30, depending on size. And uh, shipping is $8 to $12, depending on how many shirts you buy. So if you're interested, email me, Dave at Paranormal60.com. Include your name, your shipping address, your email address, and what size shirt you want, 
how many shirts you want and which design you'd like for the back. So that's as simple as it can be. We will send you out an invoice. Once you pay it, we will process it. Shirts are beginning to ship this week. So if you get your order in, you may have it within the next two weeks here. So think about that if you're interested. I'd love to see you wearing your love for the Paranormal 60, especially as I'm going to be out traveling the world this year. I'd love to see you out there with me. All right, folks, I gave you a little taste uh, in the last segment when we were talking with Greg of an artifact we're going to show. And uh, he's on, on today's banner as well. Weird very strange and this is only one half of him we're going to get to see the backside as well in a bit but first it's interesting how cyclical life is right like the two boys in the story we just heard uh friends at a young age coming back into each other's lives later to share something i get a message from a friend greg joiner who i had not thought about talked to or heard in probably 40 years and he's like dave you're doing paranormal stuff. You got to talk to my buddy. He has got some amazing alien artifacts. And I said, all right, let's do this. We put together. It's been a struggle trying to find a date and a time, but he is here. Last year, we got a chance to sit down with Scott Walter from America Unearthed, one of my favorite people and favorite guests and a good friend. He showed some of the pieces he had in his collection. Joining me now, Mike Forrest from aliencarvings.com. And uh, Mike, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We've got a lot of images to go through, a lot of story to go through. And I like for people watching the video, you get kind of a nice little background of Mike on this and see some of the artifacts and, and photographs. And you take beautiful pictures, by the way, Mike. Thank These you. are museum <laughs> quality pieces. Uh, the pictures I showed with Scott Walter, I felt bad were just taken with my cell phone. You've sent me all of these gorgeous images of uh of artifacts and items that you've got um while we're talking about these artifacts and and your work in getting them i'm just going to pop some up you don't feel you have to explain or talk about each image um but the first one i did like that i wanted to pop up is very tutankhamun-esque right you've got this interesting sarcophagus looking image with a very gray alien face head on it obviously they know how to do black because they've pinstriped this piece and and inlaid it we always talk about the aliens and especially these gray aliens having kind of dark jet black almond eyes yet most of the pieces all seem to have kind of a clear eye effect do you think that's uh, a choice do you do you think that maybe they were witnessing a different version if these were aliens during this time what, what do you think they were doing by sharing these pieces yeah, it, it, it really, uh, it, it seems like it connects to, you know, Genesis 6 in the Bible where, you know, supposedly they, they came down and, and uh, bared children with our women and, and stuff like that. And Genesis is pretty consistent throughout many different, uh, you know, ancient texts like the Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff like that. It's pretty uh, consistent to our modern version today. And so that's something that really hasn't changed. And, you know, something I, I started seeing these pieces, um, like the back of it there, it's got a Sumerian looking you know, bearded gentleman on there and, and uh, started seeing a lot of different connections to ancient civilizations, not just from Egypt or Sumeria, but, but all over the world. And, uh, you know, that was pretty strange to see from Mexico, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah. How did you get connected with these pieces and, and start uh, working on and recovery for them? 
Well, my uh, good friend, Caleb, he was down at the Tucson Gem Show and I've collected rocks and minerals my whole life and carvings especially. And, and so he was down there and my wife, she cuts opals. So he brought back a bunch of stuff and wanted to come over and show me. And he's showing me all these rocks and then bust out these carvings at the end. And I was like, wow, those are pretty unique, you know, and, and they're the same type of stuff that Scott showed on your show from Abuelos mm -hmm. de Alisco. And uh, they've got a really distinct look and I wanted to know more about them. And he tried telling me that they were ancient, you know, out of the ground. And I'm like, these would be all over the news. This can't be real, you know, and he, he refused to let it go. So I decided to research it and, and try to to prove it and debunk it, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, ask around. I talked to, you know, Linda Moulton Howe and a few different people in the industry and and just tried to get some disclosure or information about them. And, and uh, yeah, well, here I am now. I, I've documented over 20,000 of these pieces. And, you know, uh, I went from Abuelos de Alisco and, and some of the, the families down there that were gathering these pieces. And I asked them if there were some larger pieces. I wanted to see if there was large statues or anything like that. And and they directed me to uh, Tula Hildalgo to a gentleman there. And uh, that that's when things really started to get strange. I mean, the the... The stuff, the type of stone that it was being used. I mean, I, I have a table that weighs 420 pounds. It's five pieces. And I mean, it's completely covered in relief carving from top to bottom, underneath, in the sides. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, that, that's it right there. And it, and it glows in the uh, the UV to the entire table, just different colors, yellows and blues and greens. And um, it's it's just, you know, to, to make that out of a carving, it's, it's pretty interesting. And so we, right. we had a chemist look into the mineral analysis of this type of stone and what was strange it's a dominant calcite and quartz and uh and, and it almost seems like it's pressed that he said it doesn't look like a naturally occurring uh, crystal structure that he had seen and uh so it you know it almost makes sense a lot of these there's there's large bowls and dishes and and things that would be really really hard to carve out of stone unless you were pressing it wet okay but then does that take us into the fact that maybe they found old pieces that date back that they've warmed and then put these etchings into so that the piece dates back to hundreds or thousands of years ago, but the carvings and everything that we're seeing on them now, the reliefs are, are more recent. Yeah. Well, um, there's a lot of things like, uh, you know, um, patina and stuff like that, that you can look at with a microscope. We have a section on our website that I've devoted for microscopic photos and, and uh, I've taken, you know, thousands of pictures and, and you can see there's definite patina and, and, and build up and erosion in these grooves. The grooves are not consistent in terms of a Dremel or symmetrical. Uh, they're very uneven un in that sort of sense, almost as if uh, they were hand done on, on the Awelo stuff that's like shown here. But then the relief is is perfect. You know, there's no tooling marks whatsoever, and and it's it's inconsistent even to to what we'd be able to do today, in my opinion, um, modernly. So to to do that, uh, especially out of quartz and calcite combination like that, is, is not something I've ever seen. You know. Now you said that some of these pieces fluoresce under black light, and you've got to have a high level spectrum black light to get them to pop with these colors. I thought it was interesting. If it's the same stone, why are some fluorescing in blues or purples, some in greens? There's some reds that appears in a couple of these. Is that because of a spray that you're putting on there to let the relief be seen, or is it just naturally occurring? No, that that's the way that they were found, and and they actually 
they sold me these pieces down there and, and had no idea they, they had fluorescence at all. And, uh, and I, my wife, you know, she does uh, glass blowing as well. And so they have different types of glass that you can get, like uranium glass that you use a black light and it glows very beautifully. And so we had that. And, and one day we were sitting at the table and uh, we hit a couple of these with it to see if anything would happen. And we saw phosphorescence, first of all, and they were on the Awelos pieces. And so we started to test multiple Awelos pieces. Every one of them had some sort of phosphorescence. And some of it was geologically inconsistent in terms that it was only in the carving lines. Uh, whereas some of like, like you see there with the luminescence, but, but as a phosphorescence as well. And uh, so we tested more and more and, and I asked the guys down there in, in Mexico if they had ever seen this and they hadn't. So I sent a couple lights down and they started testing their collections and, and everything. I mean, every one of these pieces almost, I mean, nine out of 10 at least have some sort of reaction to the UV. All right, but that's a natural effect of these stones, right? I was talking to Scott Walter about it, and in some cases, these are natural elements that th this is just what the stone does under certain yeah. circumstances. Yeah, ca right. calcite in general it has a lot of different uh, UV reactions, uh, red and, and stuff like that. But um, in, in this case, you know, like on that table that's being shown, e each one of those grooves has been inlaid, and, and there's different types. Some of it's a powder, some of it's a paint, it almost looks like, some of it's a goop. Uh, that hardens like a rock um, and, and it varies from piece to piece uh, and, and each piece just it, it was definitely put on on some of them like the one being shown um, but there's no trace of any spray or any uh, sort of paint or anything like that that you can see visibly like in the in the blue mm -hmm. section there it's it just looks like stone right and that's a scarab as donna c points out where was this piece found that's definitely a winged scarab in the center right it was the first thing i looked at this and i'm like is this just uh, one of uh, Journey's albums under a black light? You know, you've got that that look, but it's interesting because many of these things have an Egyptian overtone to them, but they're coming from an area where you wouldn't have thought that, right? It would have been more yeah. what the Aztec and and Incan and and Mayan, Mayan cultures, yeah. right? And, and so the I'm going to keep popping is... some of these up as we keep going. So go ahead. Yeah, we, we've seen numerous carbon dates as well as uh, the thermal luminescent dating on ceramics. And the dates are consistent, you know, eight to 15,000 years ago. Um, there's been a few tests, even uh, up to 20,000 years that we've seen. And they're testing the adhesives as well as uh, underneath the inlays. There's uh, precious mm -hmm. um, minerals and stuff inlaid for the eyes a lot of times. And uh, yeah, it's it's... It just doesn't make uh, a lot of sense to be mine or anything if it predates it by that much. I mean, even the Olmec, uh, it, this is like 5,000 years before that even. So mm -hmm. um, Now, here's an interesting piece that it almost appears that it's uh, showing two coexisting versions of beings. Reptilian, it appears, on one side, uh, the gray or the you know more traditional alien look on the other side. Um, and then you've, but then again, you've got some of the Aztecian and Mayan looking imagery and etchings that are shared with, you know, throughout this, this piece. Yeah. This piece is a great example because as you could see at the, at the top, uh, you know, you've got the Egyptian Anubis, you see a lot of DNA strands and different types of things. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's one thing that, how about that UFO craft? Yeah, yeah. The UFO craft at the top of this thing flying across the sky. Yeah. And, and it almost right. looks similar to the one. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the painting there that, that shows the two. It's like a religious painting from 
It's it's quite old. I think fourteen hundred. Right, the or crucifixion like that. of Christ, where it shows the sun. What some people believe to be the representation of the sun and the moon in the sky, but there are two beings inside of them, right? Using joysticks and and throttles to move. Yeah, very very interesting uh, pieces. Now, when you start getting pieces like this brought in, are you? I mean, this has got to be a thrill because it's a thrill just to look at the photographs of these images. And <laughs> this one specifically, seeing... yeah. It, 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 I had to know, you know, I bought this because it has a ring in there and it's metal. So I wanted to immediately know. We, we took it over to the XRF uh, gun and, and had it analyzed. What's crazy about that ring is it has quite a bit of rhodium in it, which is off hmm. to find. I mean, rhodium's extremely right. expensive. I think it's five or six times the price of gold. So, um, to find that unrefined in a in a piece like that is unlikely if it's someone modern creating a piece of uh, jewelry. It was it was silver, zinc, and rhodium was the combination of that. And these are interesting aliens. Again, you've got come kind of the um, bug like look to them. Uh, the the two that are flying on both sides. You've got one that's got kind of the mantis head. Uh, another one almost looking kind of Cthulhu like yeah and, and i saw there were some of the images i couldn't get all of them folks he sent me over 100 images we can't show them on all the show tonight but uh it, it, he does have photographs on his website of many of these pieces and many more that you can go and and examine for yourself as well but they're just stunning the and and the when you're getting these things do you start to have a concern that you're kind of are you dealing with an antiquity, a piece that maybe you shouldn't own? And I don't mean to sound like I'm throwing you under the bus here, Mike, but <laughs> it, it, it absolutely, at first, you know, I, I customs and stuff, open the pieces. And I, I thought for sure, you know, if this was antiquities or anything like that, that it would be immediately seized or something like that. But, uh, you know, they, they've opened probably 80% of my packages and looked at them. I've seen a six page letter from 2016 from the uh, archeology span and anthropology department in Mexico. I've got it posted on our website that states anything showing a UFO or an alien is not consistent to Mayan or Incan or any civilizations of Mesoamerica and it has to be modern. And that, that's their conclusion as a government and as the antiquities. Uh, so it's legal to buy and sell these pieces, which is how Scott has them and how I have them. And, and, uh, but but it's just strange because there's certain things that are inconsistent with modern reproductions that I'm used to seeing that, that these display so many techniques. You know, for, for instance, I'll show you something like this mosaic here. This is a, a turtle. And, uh, and this is all different pieces of stone put together to make this. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. the top is, is just glued together of, of hundreds of different stones. And, and the amount of arts and crafts to, to go into this is just crazy. You know, it's got the little figures inside that are all detailed. I've got over 500 of these little figures that are the, under one centimeter a piece. And every one of them is unique completely. Like they're all completely individualized, um, which is unique too. You know, if these were being mass produced, you would see some sort of duplicates or some sort of... Um, style that was consistent and, and repeated and, and in this case it's absolutely original on every piece down to the the littlest little ones you know now being uh as anal as he is about the detail i know that scott has gone through these pieces that he's collected with a fine tooth comb looking at every hieroglyph and registering them what he's finding is that there's none that are repeated so it's yeah. not like a known type language. Are you seeing that on the pieces that you have? Are there repeated pieces or are they all individually 
the Awelos language is, is completely unique in itself. And there's, I mean, tens of thousands of symbols that we found. We found some that do repeat. I do have a, a specific symbol that repeats on many, many pieces that I have. Um, so I think there's certain things, maybe uh, identifying planets or, or stars or something like that, where it's a consistent symbol for that meaning. Um, and then and you're sure to, you're sure that's not the maker's mark from China where they're producing these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I, Again, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to be a jerk on this, but you just look at it and you're like, God, these things are amazing. There's no way that these are ancient artifacts. But like you said, different testing on uh the gems the the adhesives i know scott has done testing on the adhesives on pieces he's got that are dating back six thousand to ten thousand to twelve thousand years old for the adhesives yep and and you know there's there's argument that you could use uh petroleum modern adhesives to date something older than it was but the thing mm -hmm. is when you do that it's it's to, to hit that date range consistently on such a small level with the carbon scale I mean, that, that would be a miracle in my opinion, because those, right. a lot of those petroleum adhesives are millions of years old. So to get that 10,000 range seems unlikely. And, and then also to prove that you knew that it was going to be in that range, you would have to have a full lab setup to test the hoax pieces just to make sure they fell in that range. And that's just, right. that's so much work. It doesn't make sense. You know, Agreed. the gold on, on these pieces as well. Like when you hit it with the XRF, it's not a consistent, pure, um, gold. The, the alloys range. Some of them have silver. Some of them have zinc. Some of them are 14 karat. Some of them are 12 karat. And and it's different on every piece of gold on these things, which is meaning it was unrefined when they pounded it out. You know. Right. All right. So now this is, uh, of course, the guy that appears on our banner, and I thought was fascinating. He definitely alien looking in nature, the way he's represented, the imagery on him. Uh, let's take a look at his backside uh, again interesting representations and that is uh undeniably a ufo craft on the back of his head uh yeah. and saturn right oh and saturn okay yes yeah and just the intricacy the pictures i've got here folks are lower quality than the ones he sent me because i couldn't put up 25 megabyte pictures on each one <laughs> uh my system here just would not tolerate it but i wanted to give you a view of, of some of these pieces and uh, again, another mosaic design with what looks like a DNA helix uh, in the middle by his nose, uh, many different representations. But now it could be said, right, in some of these cases, like the, the DNA helix looks to be a much newer piece, um, like it could have been something that was added recently. Uh, do we look as because it is mosaic and there are different pieces that are attached at different times? Do we know from the the scratchings uh, of the adhesives on any of these pieces what kind of dating we're looking at? Yeah, they they, they are consistent. That specific mosaic hasn't been tested yet. Um, it's really hard to get labs to take this seriously because they put their name on the line and, and, and right. you know, if they're wrong or, or say something not proper, it's not good. And, you know, a lot of pieces, like if you look at the Grand Canyon with Kincaid and the Smithsonian back in the early 1900s, Kincaid came out and said he found all these caves and Egyptian artifacts in the Grand Canyon. And then all of a sudden, a few days later, after the press came out, you know, Smithsonian took all that back. Um, but it, it's interesting to, to hear that because the, the stuff that they describe giants and, and Egyptian symbols and stuff like that, this is all really consistent with the stuff we're finding. And, uh, mm -hmm. I don't think that's an accident. 
Uh, all right, again, some more of the pieces that we're showing as we go along. Another one that seems to be a knitted together image of a, a reptilian and a gray with a double uh, helix going down the middle of it. So you're seeing the combination of the two different beings uh, and, and different culture um, decorative pieces on them as well. Obviously, some Egyptian, Incan, and Mayan looking designs that you're seeing represented on these pieces. Uh, this one uh, caught my attention as well for the phosphorus uh, glow of it and the strange shape of the skull that uh, yeah. you've got. What what can you tell us about this piece? Yeah, well, I've got it right here. I can show you. It's, uh, it's a quartz skull that was found in Tula Hildalgo. And, you know, it's got a lot of stuff very consistent with the angels and Saturn and the DNA. Um, as well as the all-seeing eye on on many 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 of these pieces, and I think now they can something... actually look into crystal like that to see how it was created, how it was tooled. Are you seeing any tool, any any etchings like the crystal skulls, uh, the famous crystal skulls that are out there? Yeah, like Einstein and stuff like that. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's contradiction on that because you know they, they can see that it was polished, um, you know, with something, but to, to actually see how long it was. Uh, carved it's it's pretty impossible i think there's no consistent way to say yeah this was carved a long time ago um they 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 debunked einstein and stuff like that but but like mitchell hedges school for instance i mean that that's pretty documented to, of being found mm -hmm. um legitimately so it's it's hard to say and that one that they came up with the same conclusion as einstein so it's uh it's, it's hard to say okay so do you look into the skull's eyes and and get visions do you uh do you pick up anything? Is there any kind of energetic uh, uh, stamping or, or release well, from this? Yeah, the, we, we have a, a tri-field meter that we test, and, and there's a lot of weird, inconsistent electromagnetic frequencies that come out of these pieces. And uh, like the different pyramids and stuff like that, they seem to be almost tuned to a specific electromagnetic frequency. And uh, and as far as the, the, the energy and stuff like that, when I do photos of, of a lot of these pieces at once, um, it's actually extremely overwhelming and I thought that was just me and I'm sitting in front of all these pieces and it's overwhelming to think about what they possibly could be and but I had like my mom come over and I wanted to show her you know as I'm taking these pictures and she came up there and she started complaining she's like I gotta go sit down and I'm not feeling right I get wishy-washy in the head and I mean it was literally the description of how I felt and that that's weird you know unbiased to have her say the same thing so there's definitely something and I, i've sold some of these pieces to people and and there's uh there's definitely a weird energy yeah donna says that dna helix was also on that alien human hybrid like figurine too right it's been on a lot of the different pieces that we've yeah. looked at again if you're listening to the audio representation of this program i hope that you're getting enough uh kind of visual representation through our descriptions but please go check out the video um if you only just go watch the last half an hour of this to see the photographs, to see these images, and then we do have links to Mike's website. And Mike, you do make some of these pieces available for purchase, yeah. correct? Yeah, I bought almost 550 pieces before I ever sold a single one. And my wife was starting to get a little frustrated. I had a storage unit and multiple safes and stuff all over the house. And it, it needed, some of it needed to be sold. And, and uh, yeah, so we, we do sell some after we're done researching it, but some of the pieces still have a lot of research, so I can't, you know, even think about selling something right. like that. <laughs> so here we're looking at all these different pieces that have carved skulls. And then I find in the last batch of photos that you send me, we have something 
very unique. Is this stone or is this skull? No, it's it, it's a bone. It, it only weighs. Uh, it's it's really really lightweight. Um, I mean, you, you can see it's it's definitely a bone. There's suture lines. Uh, you can see them. I mean, it's definitely not something that was uh, doctored or manufactured. Uh, the Radapi Mountains um, in Bulgaria back in 2001, they actually found a piece like this and uh, they documented it quite well. And it went missing when they sent it in for DNA testing. And uh, so it was never. Now, now this is also, this also has some carvings on it. Yeah, carving and it, and it luminesces and it phosphoresces as well. So the, the entire like face, you put the black light up here and turn it off and you can still see it glowing as well as the top of it here is, is completely, um, you can see the green. That's crazy. Yeah. It, it, and, and for it to phosphorus like that is really bizarre. It's lighter weight than our bone is, um, or, or any bone that I've ever handled before. So it's something that I really hope to get tested or, or, uh, investigated at some point. We have two of them. So, um, you know, one of them I'm going to go bury and hopefully send the other one out and get some good testing. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so when you have something like this, how is it that you're not getting a at the door from somebody that wants to investigate this a little further? I, I've actually kept myself um, anonymous until now because I've been scared about that. You know, you read about all these things and hear about all these things, uh, even just with the Roswell investigations and people going missing and you know, it's really scary trying to raise a family and, and to do something like that, uh, to post all this out there. Um, but it follows this alien agenda. And, and you know, I think that uh, a lot of these pieces display a angels and, and these type of beings that are biblically correct in um, terms of like before the fall of Babel and and the great flood. The, you know, supposedly uh, God got rid of people uh, that were here. There are the many species before because they worshipped their gods with stone idols. And uh, it's interesting to think that these angels might have came here, you know, like the Titans or, or the, the um the Nephilim and, and Anunnaki, they, they may have convinced these um, civilizations that with all this technology and intelligence that they were God, even though they were actually the fallen angels and they deceived man for, for however long. And they may be trying to do it again with disclosure and the aliens coming back. Um, maybe they're trying to re, you know, convince us that that's God and even though it's not. And so I don't know, it's, it's really strange. I wasn't at all religious prior to this. Biblically, it's, it's made me go deep into research, uh, Nag Hammadis and Dead Sea Scrolls and the Pista Sophia, stuff like that, where it's, uh, I mean, this stuff lines up identically to that. And it's, it's quite scary. Raymond Lancashire asks, are there any paranormal experiences with any of the pieces that you have in your collection? No contact yet. Yeah, no, nothing um, of note in that respect, other than just strange energies, wishy-washy head, um, you know, not, nothing of note, though, uh, any beings or anything like that. Okay. Amazing. Now, you are, is this something that you continue to bring over uh, more of these artifacts, more of these pieces? I haven't actually brought in any uh, for, for about four months now. I really wanted to take the time to, to get the research done. I'm going to write a book and, and uh, try to document this the best I can. And uh, so collecting the pieces became overwhelming. Like I said, I got 550 of them and to, to keep up on that research and keep pushing forward was was tough. There are still pieces being unearthed, um, but a majority of them came out when they did a bunch of GPR and, and stuff. Uh, 
Gen 6 Productions, Steve Quayle's company. Uh, they went down there and did a huge expedition. And there's a massive documentary coming out on Tula Hidalgo specifically that'll detail all the digs. I mean, the 20 foot holes that they dug and and it's all right to the right of the uh, the Pyramid of Quetzalcoatl there in, in Tula Hidalgo. So. And they're uncovering these pieces, these alien artifacts right there on site in front of camera. So this isn't something that 4k wow. drone footage everything they, they they went to extreme lengths to document it what do you want to leave our listeners and viewers with as they see these pieces hear your stories is this something i mean do you believe that this is proof that our cultures are a blend of of different beings from different planets do you think that these are pieces that are what was once referred to as the gods in all of these locations what yeah where's gods your with, a, with a lowercase g i think and, and right. these imposter gods and these angels and stuff i mean it's 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 interesting um i guess just keep asking questions and don't be sold on anything until you're sure I, i'm not even sure I, I still continue research and i mean i can't say for surely this stuff is legitimate but i've seen it come out of the ground i've seen numerous types of testing i i've gone to extensive extensive lengths myself and there's still so many questions that i have so I just got to keep asking questions on this topic so we get some answers. Well, I'll wait for the crate you send to my house to go through so I can, you know, analyze them myself. I don't, I don't want to brag, but I do have an erector set and a microscope from when I was 12. <laughs> so maybe I can figure out something on these. Mike, amazing pieces, great stories, great history. Thank you for being a purveyor of history and, and continuing to keep pieces like this so that they don't fall, uh, you know, or, or get destroyed. Because I would guess that... You know, is it surprising to you that they're not blocking these things from leaving Mexico? Or do you think just in the disavowing of the imagery, they think that's enough to say, hey, this isn't real? Well, we, we've uncovered about 250 uh, false pieces, and a lot of them model after the ones that were found. It took about six months for them to come out. Um, there's, you know, certain pieces with plastic or glass on them that we were easily able to identify as, as false. But, but what's interesting about that is the people down there say that the, uh, the cartel and the government are actually producing these pieces and letting real pieces go out of the back door that have been turned in, et cetera, and that, that they're trying to cover up the fact that these are real and, and trying to, to swipe it under the rug and, and make it all mm. seem like it's fake, even though there are real ones involved. And, and uh, it's crazy to think that. Disinformation, but, yeah. All the top secret stuff in this world, I, I wouldn't doubt it, I guess. <laughs> no. Uh, amazing, amazing stuff. Mike Forrest, we have a link up for your website, uh, aliencarvings.com, correct? Just so I, yep. I'm not looking at the website right now. Okay, aliencarvings.com. Yep. People can go see what you're documenting, what you're sharing, your your information there, and some of the pieces that you do have for sale. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our TikTok or Instagram too at Alien Carvings. We post a lot of videos there that aren't on the website and that go into extreme detail about all this stuff. Excellent. Well, I you know I've yeah. I got to see you. I got to come out and visit and see these pieces for myself if you don't mind. Sometime we'll have to do make for that sure. Absolutely. Maybe we'll get Greg out there and we'll have a reunion of sorts. So uh, thank That'd you again, good. Mike Forrest. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Amazing stuff, folks. The world as we know it is still a mystery, an enigma, a riddle that continues to challenge us and challenge our paradigm. Where do we fit in in the cosmic scheme of things? Are we the alpha on this planet? Or are there others that are still here, hidden in plain sight? 
interesting to think about, interesting to talk about. And thank you for sharing your journey with me and allowing me to bring just a little light into the darkness of the topics of these programs. Be safe and keep your eyes to the skies because you might be the next to see one of the most remarkable, unbelievable, and shareable experiences of your life. Until Friday, we'll be back with more of the best in paranormal news with my paranormal news crew right here on the Paranormal 60. 